You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update Podcast. From acquisitions to logistics concerns, uh, nothing new here. We have had these for quite some time. Uh, we're going to look into them as we keep doing, hoping that somewhere we can find light at the end of the tunnel. Um, of course, referring to our favorite uh, logistics uh, state-owned entity, and that's Transnet. Uh, I'm looking at the latest developments around rail reform, and helping me do that is partner at Weber Wenzel, uh, Scott Edmondson. Uh, good evening, Scott. Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, before we get to the reforms, what's the state of rail going into the mining in Daba next week? Still costing us a billion rand a day? Evening, Jimmy. Um, yes, the state of rail reform or the state of the rail sector is... Is, is in is in a critical state. Um, the numbers are the numbers are quite staggering as to the the broader impact um, on South Africa. Um, so and and they can't be underestimated in terms of the not only the impact on the on the the mining industry and the commodity based industries, but the but the, the the broader consequence of the country as a whole. Um, you know, the coal volumes coal volumes through Richard Bay. Coal terminal um, are at a 30-year low at the moment, and the iron ore volumes um, are, are at a historic low, with Transnet exporting 51 million tons against a target of, of 60 million tons. Mm. Scott, speaking of things that are costing uh, us and costing the economy and South Africans, uh, we found out now that the Umtlatuzi municipality had announced in December, obviously, that they're looking to implement a charge. And it looks like they're going ahead with that charge of 30 rand a ton on the trucks that are going through Richards Bay. Uh, as a result of this, um, one could see that one could say argue that this is optimistic of the municipality to want to do this, uh, but at the same breath, they wouldn't have to do this if those trucks weren't on the road and we had a functioning rail network. Look, certainly to me, we've seen significant modal shift um, from rail to road. Um, we see that's, that's certainly been recognized. It's been recognized at a policy level, been recognized by the Department of Transport, um, and the, you know, the, the, the modal shift has, has had significant consequences uh, for the road infrastructure, and certain, you know, certain commodity-based um, uh, industries, including the mining industry, for example, iron ore, is, is not able to uh, shift its and move its, its commodity through through road. It's just not economically viable. So it has to has to do it on rail, and it's very much dependent on transit. So whilst there has been certain degree of modal shift and a significant amount, there are certain desperate mining companies out there that that are not able to take advantage of, of, of the road, even if they wanted to. Scott, and those mining companies are going to be at the mining in Daba next week uh, in Cape Town from the 2nd to, uh, sorry, from the 5th to the 8th of February. And obviously this is going to come up. This has to be a topic of conversation for any investor looking to get involved in the mining industry or looking to export any commodities out of South Africa to say, are we going to actually be able to get what we buy and what we invest in? And to that point... Uh, um, we start to have conversations around maybe we should have a liberal, a liberalised rail market. What does that look like? So, so Jimmy, a liberalised rail market um, is really uh, kind of well. It, it actually is is um, given envisaged to through the national rail policy, um, which has been adopted by cabinet in March last year, or sorry, March twenty twenty two. And it is a it is a, a very encouraging 
shift and a move towards a liberalized rail market and what, what, the, what the policy contemplates are three broad things. First of all, um, it is the, the opening up of the network and the access to the, nas- to, to the national rail network by private and independent train operating companies. Um, it is the establishment of an independent economic regulator uh, which will set uh, tariffs uh, and, and regulate the access regime for these independent um, train operating companies operating on the network. Uh, and then thirdly, it contemplates the vertical separation of transnet into its constituent parts, um, including from a rail perspective, it, it kind of separates transnet out not only from an accounting perspective, which is the first stage of separation, but practically from infrastructure ownership through to infrastructure, sorry, through to um, its, its, its haulage and its operation through transit paper. Um, so those are the kind of broad, broad um, policy shifts uh, that are significant. Um, and, and the policy on, on the whole is, is an excellent policy. You know, the private sector has, in, in, various, in various sectors, has bemoaned the absence of, of clear and coherent policy. We have that policy now. Uh, from a rail perspective, uh, it's there. Uh, it has been endorsed by cabinet, and it's making its way through the lawmaking process. Um, so we're kind of optimistic um, that we, we will see this, this policy codified in, um, in through, through an act, which is uh, the bill at the moment is, is called the Economic Regulation of Transport Bill, and so it is anticipated that hopefully. Um, we get this uh, this bill in, in, in act form uh, during the course of this year. In fact, quarter one is the anticipated timeline for that. Now, Scott, we know it's a very different conversation from what we want to happen and what actually happens, and that obviously raises a lot of concerns, uh, particularly in the case of uh, Transnet, around whether or not the solutions that we're discussing here carry um, certain risks and what those risks look like from an economic point of view, but more importantly, from a political point of view, how do we balance or how do we manage this expectation of political risk versus economic risk when we're looking at uh, wanting to do something that we should have done a very long time ago and potentially finding resistance um, within the political sphere around the implementation of what needs to be done. So it's one thing for it to make it past Parliament, it's one thing for everyone to say they're on board, but we've often seen when it comes down to implementation and comes down to the vote, suddenly people are not having the same conversations. Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite right. I think in in an election year, which we have now, uh, the the risk to the policy and the risk to implementation is is a political risk. Um, uh, it, you know, in various and it finds itself in, in various categories. But politically, politically, whether this bill makes it through the the, the, the lawmaking process in a in an election year is a, is a question mark. Um, and obviously, we can afford uh, delays um, through through political maneuvering, etc. In terms of this policy. Um, so there is a there is a significant political risk. Um, I think there's also an economic risk in the sense that certain stakeholders um, might construe the policy as um, as an existential threat. You know, I think the message that that needs to be put out there is that the the policy does not uh, the policy uh, in its form is not intended to to do away with transnet uh, at all. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, there's a, 
recognition by the private sector that Transnet is too critical, it's too big, it's, it's too significant, uh, and its competency, uh, historic competency, is too significant to to you know to ignore. All the private sector is asking is is, is fair access to the network so that we can, or that the private sector can compete with the incumbents on an you know, on an equal um, competitive uh, playing field, access to the network. Um, and competing alongside the likes of Transnet. Let's hope and pray that what we are hoping happens actually does come to pass and actually is implemented because the Transnet infrastructure and our rail infrastructure and our logistics infrastructure certainly need intervention. And soon, I wonder how this will play out in the budget speech that we're expecting in exactly 20 days from now. Thanks so much for those insights, Scott. That's Scott Edmondson, who's a partner at Weber Wenzel on the latest updates around rail reform and the small bit of optimism we might be seeing from Transnet. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update podcast, uploaded weekdays at 7 p.m. For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.